1: More than two-thirds of children report experiencing at least one traumatic event by the age of 16. From bullying to abuse, trauma is an unfortunate part of growing up for many of us, and the effects can very much carry over into adulthood. But how do we know if we have trauma or have experienced trauma? And if we have, how do we heal from it? What is going on, beautiful people? You are listening to the Affirmations for Black Girls podcast, where we focus on personal growth and cultivating a healthy relationship with ourselves. I'm your host, Tyra the Creative, actress, content creator, and mental health enthusiast. Today's episode is the third in the series all about childhood trauma. If you haven't already, go back and listen to the first two episodes for an overview of what childhood trauma is, how it impacts the black community, and what my experiences with childhood trauma are. But in today's episode, we are diving into how to know if you have childhood trauma, and if you do, how to start the healing process. If you are not in a place where you feel it would be beneficial for you to listen to today's episode, please feel free to skip. My goal with this series is to remind every single one of you listening that you are loved and you are not alone, no matter what you have gone through. So let's dive in. This week's affirmation is, I am not my trauma and my experiences do not define me. I am not my trauma and my experiences do not define me. I am not my trauma and my experiences do not define me. I am not my trauma and my experiences do not define me. I am not my trauma and my experiences do not define me. I am not my trauma and my experiences do not define me. I am not my trauma, and my experiences do not define me. Let's say it one more time together. I am not my trauma, and my experiences do not define me. You guys, we all go through difficult times, and Some of us experience traumatic events at a very young age. Our trauma is a part of us, but it is not who we are. We are not defined by our trauma. We are defined by our ability to move past it and heal from traumatic experiences. We do not have to let our trauma define us as human beings. So let's grow and heal together. But Tyra, how do I know if I had trauma in my past? I don't have any recollection of it, but if I did, how can I learn to one, recognize it, two, grow and heal and move past it? Don't worry, y'all. I got you. So let's dive in trauma can look different for every single one of us and therefore the signs of trauma look different for everyone but there are some signs you can look out for in yourself or even in your loved ones that are often a signal of unhealed trauma that is present even if they're unaware of it so as i go through these signs just take a second to take inventory and see if you are exhibiting some of these signs. So the first sign that you may be dealing with lingering effects of trauma is reliving the event, which would be through flashbacks or nightmares. And for each one of these signs that I have personally Um, exhibited, I'm going to give an example or two for you guys just to further illustrate the point. So reliving the event, the the most blatant way for this sign would be through flashbacks. If you're constantly thinking about something traumatic or something that has happened in your life that you felt unsafe in any way, whether that was physically, emotionally, mentally, If you are constantly having flashbacks of it or even nightmares, if you're having really bad dreams or a recurring bad dream about something that happened in your past, that can be a sign. So one thing for me, I had a lot of early on um, after my parents, you know, got a divorce, I had a lot of flashbacks. I would just think about the times when we were happy. I didn't necessarily have flashbacks about anything bad. Well, I did have a flashback um, every now and then of the moment my mom told us that they were gonna get a divorce. Um, I still remember that super vividly, but that can be the very first sign if you are constantly reliving that event over and over in your head. Number two would be anxiety. And the word anxiety has been desensitized in our community today. So I just want to take a moment to tell you the true definition of the word anxiety. So anxiety is intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. And it can show up in a fast heart rate Rapid breathing, sweating, and feeling tired or fatigued whenever you're having an episode. Now, in this day and age, I guess I could say that we equate anxiety to being nervous, but anxiety is nervousness times a thousand. You know, just to, I don't know if it's really a thousand, but um, I just mean that anxiety is much more intense than being nervous. We're all nervous on a daily basis where they're, you know, we all have nervousness in certain situations and it's also okay to have anxiety. But what I mean in this case is if you're having anxious thoughts or intrusive thoughts, um, excessive worry and feeling fatigued because of something that has happened in your past, then you may be experiencing anxiety Now I do have an example of anxiety that has shown up in my life as an adult, which is why it's so important for us to heal our childhood trauma because it can show up in numerous ways when you become an adult. So my childhood trauma stems from my parents getting a divorce, which Then created my attachment style, which is avoidant fearful. Now we can definitely dive into attachment styles in another episode, but my attachment style in a nutshell means that I crave closeness, but I am very afraid of it because it may be stripped away from me or that person may leave my life. I'm very afraid of people leaving me. So the way that that shows up now, I've realized in romantic relationships that let's say my boyfriend and I or whoever I'm talking to had a fight and they needed space. I would be so anxious, literally to the point where it becomes physical, like my body would start to ache. I would be so anxious that they would want to break up with me, never talk to me again, whatever the case may be, because we had a fight, because everything is not hundred percent. Okay. At that moment. And I know for a fact that that stems from my attachment style, which stems from my childhood trauma. The next sign is depression. So I'm going to give another definition because y'all, especially in this day and age, we just desensitize so much. I really want you guys to know what I'm talking about. So I'm not just talking about regular sadness, Humans get sad, but clinical depression, which is a mental health disorder characterized by persistently depressed moods or loss of interest in activities causing significant impairment in daily life. So um, I don't think I experienced clinical depression, but I did go through very, very sad spells, But I'm just going to leave it at that. So if you have been diagnosed with clinical depression, really take some inventory and sit with yourself and reflect and figure out where that may have stemmed from. The next one is anger. Do you have bouts of anger? Are you very angry um, from time to time? I definitely experienced this. A lot of these signs definitely showed up for me in romantic relationships. Um, I remember with my ex-boyfriend, we would just have horrible fights and it would just be like so loud. All of our neighbors would hear us screaming and all of this kind of stuff. And it was just too much. So and a lot of them stem from either I felt like he was being dishonest with me or he was being distant with me. And once again, it stemmed from my experiences as a tri- child which leads me to sign number five, which is problems with trust. You don't trust other people. Um, I definitely had trust issues for the absolute longest time. Um, Even with boyfriends, I wouldn't trust my friends. Like I just always in the back of my mind was like, "Mm, that could be the truth, but it might be like 99% true. The next one is unhealthy dating and relationship patterns. And I could honestly say, yes, I feel like I've had unhealthy dating and relationship patterns that have stemmed from my trauma that I have experienced. I know when I moved to Philadelphia, well, South Jersey to go to culinary school in Philadelphia, y'all, I was just talking to any and everybody. And granted, I didn't, Really care about these guys, and I didn't talk to them long. Like, we were going on like one date, and then I would block them. But that is the issue. That was my unhealthy dating. I would talk to guys, and then when they would actually start to like me a little bit, I would become uninterested. I never really unpacked why I would become uninterested. Maybe I was uninterested from the jump. Maybe I just wanted to feel desired, and that's what created it. But I started to develop some very unhealthy dating and relationship patterns. Number seven, difficulty expressing your emotions. Y'all, these signs, like, here's the thing. I don't want you to think that you have to do a checklist and you have to be showing multiple signs. It could just be one. It could be all. Everyone is different. For me, I feel like so far I have experienced all but depression, but Difficulty expressing your emotions. I've talked about this in the past, but I do think that definitely stemmed from my um, my upbringing and like how my parents were. So after my parents got a divorce, I remember we went on a family trip and I'm using air quotes because my mom wasn't there. Um, so it, it wasn't a family trip in, in my childlike eyes. So we went on a family trip with my dad's side of the family and my dad brought the lady that he was dating at the time. And I remember I just wanted to tell my daddy that I was uncomfortable with this. Like I just didn't I didn't want to do this, but I wanted to spend time with my daddy because we stayed with our mom and we didn't really, or I didn't get to spend as much time with my dad as I used to, obviously, because we went from living together to not. And I'm still a child, like I wanna be around my dad. So um, instead of telling my dad how I was feeling because I'm still a child at this point, maybe I'm like what, 15, 16, something like that. Every night or every evening, I would go and sit in, there was this little hallway part of the hotel with like chairs, like not the lobby, but you know how like sometimes they have these little seating areas. I would go out there and I would sit there and I would just bawl my eyes out until I felt better to go back into the room. I did not know how to express my emotions in any way. And that actually led to my dad and I not having a relationship my first year of college. I- don't remember exactly what happened, but we eventually stopped having an entire relationship. And what was, all I know is I was hurt by whatever was going on at the time. I can't really remember the entire situation, but I was just hurt and I didn't know how to share it with my dad. And I really wish that he had the tools to recognize that so I didn't have to say it because I'm still a child and I only have the tools that I grew up with, you know, so... That is my experience with expressing my emotions and I've been working on it day and night. And I'm so excited that I can finally express, which, ooh, y'all, it's been a long time coming. Number eight is self-destructive or risky behaviors. Mm. wow. I will definitely say, yeah. When I was living in New Jersey, I would just be so reckless. Like I'm just, oh, I don't even know what to say about this because as I reflect on situations and I just remember things that I would do, I was like, wow, like I really, God really was watching over me because I would just put myself in the most compromising situations. It was honestly horrible. And I'm so glad to be past that. Number nine, the ninth sign. You may be withdrawn or isolating from socializing with family and friends. Number 10, withdrawal from socializing and not connecting with other people as a whole. And number 11, declining physical health. So you have changes in your sleep. You have changes in your appetite. You're gaining weight or you're losing weight. I definitely experienced this my senior semester of college Right before we started our senior semester, I lost like 15 pounds. Like I was so thin. My clothes did not fit. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was just sitting and just wanting life to pass me by. Now, this had a lot to do with a boy. I had a boyfriend back in New Jersey, and I just wanted to get back to him um, because I did the National Student Exchange Program. But the reason my health was declining was because of... The other sign that we talked about unhealthy dating and relationship patterns and that anxiety, I had so much anxiety because I wanted us to work out. I had an avoidant, fearful attachment style. So anytime that he didn't want to talk or was busy, I would be full of anxiety. Then my unhealthy dating pattern, I was on the opposite end from, you know, getting rid of the guys and blocking them to I just full on obsessed over this guy. And I was like, we're definitely going to get married. Like that's going to happen. But with all of that happening, I stopped taking care of myself. So just take a second to take inventory and really ask yourself, have I experienced any of these, have I shown any of these signs that I have lingering effects of trauma? And if I have, what do I need to do next? What should be my next move? So With those signs being said, I want to also touch on PTSD. PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. And a lot of adults of childhood trauma get diagnosed with PTSD, which has many of the same symptoms that we just talked about. So people used to think that PTSD was just for veterans or people who've been to war or experienced near death experiences. But now we know that all types of trauma can be linked to PTSD and it's different for everyone, but it happens when you go so long without addressing your trauma, you're stuck in that recovery phase. And I said this in the first episode of the series, but PTSD is anxiety. It's an anxiety disorder that develops from your experience with your trauma. So you should really talk to a therapist or a psychiatrist if you think you may be suffering from PTSD, or I don't even want to say suffering. I really want to change my mind frame around different disorders and mental health stigma. So if you think you are living with PTSD talk to a therapist or a psychiatrist, but I'm gonna give you a couple of symptoms of it just so you can better assess yourself. And I also wanna say, y'all, I'm not a therapist. I'm gonna always say this, but I'm talking about some real clinical stuff in this episode. I'm not a therapist, and this is not a substitute for therapy. Just use this as a guide for if you should go to therapy or not. So with that being said, the first symptom of PTSD is numbing which is like an escape, which you can be avoiding um, your trauma or avoiding your experience or whatever so much that you are numb. It's like avoidance on steroids. When you're so numb, you don't, you don't have any emotional tie to it. You don't, You literally don't get moved by it in any way. You're saying things like, I can't get hurt by something that I don't have a connection to. So you are literally numbing yourself from it. And you may lose interest in things that you love from numbing. Numbing yourself to one emotion is numbing yourself to all emotions, you guys. Another symptom is Avoidance, which is another method of escape from your trauma. And the thing is, this is a key piece to recovery if you are dealing with PTSD. But avoidance is a natural coping skill that was there before trauma happened. So you may avoid certain situations that make you think about your trauma. And this could look like, oh, you're keeping busy, you're filling your schedule with a bunch of stuff with the idea that you don't want to think about it. So avoiding coping behavior becomes PTSD when it becomes your lifestyle. So if you are avoiding more and more, more people, more places, more things, then you have to take a second to look and say, okay, am I avoiding this because I just don't want to be here? Or am I avoiding this for something deeper? The next symptom is Arousal, which is fear or anxiety, that fight or flight response that our brain has. It's when our brain can misinterpret some inf- information. So you'll have this arousal feeling of fear or anxiety, and it may look like hyperventilation, you know, like a panic attack. So, you may feel yourself being jittery, you're extra alert, you're always on the lookout for danger, whatever that may be for your specific experience. You could be easily startled, you feel on guard or unsafe, on edge all the time. You may have a hard time sleeping, you may be irritable. You may communicate your vulnerability in an angry way just to get it out because that anger feels more natural to you than actually being soft and vulnerable. You may have trouble concentrating and you may be exhausted and fatigued because staying in a state of arousal, like that fight or flight response, it produces adrenaline and it should only be produced in short spurts because that can really fatigue you. And the last symptom that I'm going to touch on is re-experiencing it, whatever your trauma was. And this is reminders. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but... This happens based on triggers. And the trigger is when you see, hear, smell something that causes you to remember that traumatic event. Now, these memories can come back at any time. And any time you push an emotion away, your body charges it. So it makes it more intense. And I always say this to myself, like if you are feeling an emotion or you're feeling something, experience it now because it's just building up on the inside. So this re-experiencing can look like the flashbacks and it can look like the nightmares that we talked about. And the nightmares increase when there is a lack of, ability to process traumatic emotions because your brain is saying, now you can't get away with it. It's in your subconscious and the brain has to deal with it. We are solution-oriented beings. So our brain uses that subconscious time while you are asleep to try to process this traumatic event. And that can turn into a nightmare. And that's why we have nightmares. Growing up, Black voices in media, though hard to come by, were my compass. Here at AFBG, Black representation is the very heartbeat of what we do. Representation isn't just about visibility, it's about carving out a space where Black stories can thrive and resonate. That's why Affirmations for Black Girls exists, a podcast that echoes that sentiment, From trailblazers like Lena Horne, shattering boundaries in music and film, to women such as Hattie McDaniel, Eartha Kitt, and Ruby Dee, who showed that Black women are powerful and fully capable of commanding any stage, any screen, anywhere. Their courage and resilience paved the way for generations of Black women, including me, to live out their dreams." And now NPR brings you the next generation of influential black voices in their new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be black today, each told from a unique black perspective that is as nuanced as the black experience itself. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there is no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. I recently listened to the episode Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie, where Tracy tackles storytelling through the guise of raising awareness about the lives of real people. Her dedication to fighting for representation for Black women is authentic and true. I commend NPR for this commitment to uplifting Black voices. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in America's story, but now they are the story because stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Fun fact about me. I'm not a big drinker. And the older I get, the more I look for new ways to relax. If you're like me, consider Recess Mood, a healthier alternative to alcohol. Y'all already know self-care is essential here and we are being more intentional with the things we put into our bodies. Recess Mood is a magnesium and adaptogen infused sparkling water with real fruit goodness, only 20 calories and no added sugar. It enhances your mood and helps balance stress for that calm, cool and collected feeling. And don't even get me started on the flavors y'all strawberry rose raspberry lemon grapefruit tangerine they are all very good but right now the raspberry lemon is my absolute fave so you deserve a healthier way to unwind and recess mood is offering you 15% off so head to takearecess.com affirmations and treat yourself to a more relaxed guilt-free you and you can also find the link down in the show notes below It may seem obvious, but one of the best ways to heal is to try therapy. Therapy can make a huge difference, y'all, not only for the people who may have PTSD or for people who experience intense symptoms. But for any of us who want to process and move past any experiences we have, therapy tries to get you to the core of your trauma. And in order to recover, you have to start building new experiences. You can't just expect yourself to move past something without Growing yourself and working on your personal development. So, there are a lot of different types of therapy out there that you can try. And some of the most popular and effective methods for trauma are CPT, which is cognitive processing therapy, which is a subtype of CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. So I'm going to give you guys a little rundown of these types of therapies and what they are for because I honestly loved learning about the different types of therapy and I did that through BetterHelp. Y'all, BetterHelp got to sponsor this podcast one day, but I highly, highly, highly recommend BetterHelp because they have something called groupinars where you can sit in and learn about mental health in a way that you're not in a therapy session. So I remember taking a couple of classes and they last about 45 minutes to two hours and they tell you the duration before you sign up for one, but it's included in your membership. And actually I took one on PTSD, which is where I got my notes from that I just talked about a little bit earlier. And I also took one on CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy along with like my attachment style and romantic relationships. I took a lot of those courses and I took a lot of notes and it's very, very, very helpful. But anyways, I put my link down below to go sign up for better help. Use my link down below and see if it's something that will help you out. Highly recommend both the therapist and the group in ours that are there. But back to CPT. So CPT, cognitive processing therapy, is a cognitive behavioral treatment focused on helping people who are stuck in their thoughts about a trauma they have experienced. So in this processing therapy, you are going to learn about your PTSD symptoms or your trauma symptoms. You're going to become aware of your feelings surrounding them and your feelings as a whole. You are also going to learn skills to challenge your thought process regarding this trauma. And you're also going to learn how to change post-traumatic beliefs. So if you think this is something that would help you definitely look up CPT, Cognitive Processing Therapy. But like I said, it is a subtype of CBT, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And CBT as a whole... Um, is a type of psychotherapy in which negative patterns of thought about yourself and the world around you are challenged in order to alter unwanted behavior patterns or treat mood disorders like depression. Now, besides CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, There's also trauma-focused CPT. So trauma-focused cognitive processing therapy, which is another subtype of CBT. And it is an evidence-based treatment that specifically it was developed for children and adolescents to address the negative effects of their trauma, which will include processing their traumatic memories, overcoming problematic thoughts and behaviors associated with it, and developing effective coping and interpersonal skills to help them in the future if they're ever to come in contact with any of their triggers or anything that may bring them back to that state. And then the last one I want to talk about today is called EMDR, which is Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And basically what this is, is using a patient's own rapid rhythmic eye movement, you know, eyes moving back and forth. So these eye movements dampen the power of emotionally charged memories of past traumatic events. And this is how it works. When you go into a session for EMDR, Your therapist will move their fingers back and forth in front of your face and ask you to follow their hands with your eyes. At the same time, the therapist will have you recall a disturbing event. This will include the emotions and body sensations that go along with it. And gradually, the therapist will guide you to shift your thoughts to more pleasant ones. Some therapists use alternatives to finger movements like hand or toe tapping or even musical tone. So this is a newer type of therapy, but I actually read a few reviews and a lot of people like it. But then on the flip side of that, I read some that said it just desensitizes your negative emotions as a whole, whereas we need negative emotions. And by negative emotions, we mean sadness, fear, all of that. They're saying that it causes you to never experience fear, never experience sadness, which isn't a great thing at all. We need to experience all emotions. They just should not overtake us. So those are some types of therapy that have been proven to work for trauma. But also seeking therapy for trauma can help you process what happened, move past it and lessen the effects and symptoms that you are experiencing. So based on the signs that we talked about earlier, if you come to the conclusion that, yeah, I am experiencing lingering effects of trauma, give therapy a try. Like just try one session and see how it works for you. And another great way to process and heal from trauma if you, you know, you're not ready for therapy yet is to... Be more open and vulnerable with safe people in your life who you trust, especially if you know that they've had similar experiences. Even just talking about my experiences on this podcast has helped me align on my healing journey, y'all. And I'm so grateful for y'all for sitting and listening to this. And remind yourself that you're not alone and you have nothing to be ashamed about. And that is the key to healing to not be ashamed and to just dive right into it so whether you're open about these things on the platform like me or you just pick one close friend or family member to open up to don't resist talking about it try to push yourself to really get it out there because just like a fart better out than in So y'all, I just want to say healing is possible. And like the affirmation of the week, we do not have to carry this trauma with us and make it our entire identity. We do not have to be ashamed about it. And we are not at fault for our trauma. That was our affirmation of last week we can learn to grow and evolve and move on past it. I hope this episode helped you feel less alone and gave you some ideas for ways you can start or continue your healing journey. If you feel you need additional support and help around dealing with your trauma, I have included some links down in the show notes. So make sure you take a look. And with that being said, you know what time it is, you guys. It's time to lighten the mood a bit. It is time for our fun closing segment. And today we're actually going to be answering a question from an Instagram DM. Now, if you did not know this, I do have a form where you guys can ask me anything. And you can also ask me anything on Instagram. But the best surefire way to get your question answered on the podcast is to Put it in the form, which I have included down below in the show notes. So if you have a question, please ask me a question, y'all. I love answering questions. I do answer a lot of them on um, Instagram, but I would love to answer some on the podcast as well. So shoot me an email, shoot me a, um answer the form or even a DM. Okay, so today's question, and I did not ask this person, so I'm not going to say any names, but here it is. Hey, Tyra, I am still gracefully listening to your podcast, and I'm still loving everything about them and everything that's said in them, especially the ones about relationships. I've been sad in my current relationship, and it's mainly because I feel like I can't trust him, even though there are past situations that I forgave him for and should have gotten over. No matter how hard I try to be happy with him, this emotion pops up when I see him talking to another woman or looking at his phone for too long or anything normal and small. I wanted to come to you if I'm lucky to get a response to ask, how do I trust again when I never got closure on why I was done wrong, but chose to move on from it anyway. And he is trying his hardest to show me what I mean to him but I always feel like it's something and I really don't know how to differentiate overthinking and intuition. Whew, y'all, this is a loaded one. It's so loaded. And thank you so much for asking this. I know I responded to you directly on Instagram, but I'm gonna respond here because I was also in this boat. And I know we ain't the only two women in the world that have been in this boat. So my ex-boyfriend cheated on me and I called myself forgiving him. Little did I know I was not forgiving him because I really was forgiving him. I was forgiving him because that's what you do if you still want to be with a person, right? And what that did was create resentment within me. And every time I turned around, I just, I just knew he was cheating on me again, you know? We actually started going to couples therapy through BetterHelp. And even that was like pulling his arm. I had to beg him to do that, even though he said that he would do it. That's neither here nor there. That should have been a sign. But we ended up going to couples therapy. And in the therapy session, I ended up saying, I don't, I'm like, you gotta win my trust back. Like, you don't. I don't trust you right now. And that's something that for me, you got to work on. And what my therapist said in that moment, she was like, it does not matter if you trust him. Do you trust yourself? And I was so convicted by that, y'all, because I was like, wow, I, I don't trust myself. Like that's legitimately how I felt. I was like, I don't, trust me. I feel like I'm just doing what I think I need to do in the moment. And I just sat with that and I was like, wow, okay. As long as I'm trusting myself, that's all that matters. Granted, I still wanted to trust him. And I felt like he had work to do because he had broken that trust. Yeah. But she was saying on a deeper level, that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you trust yourself. So trust your own intuition. What is your intuition telling you? Is your intuition telling you to be with him? Or is that emotion? Is your intuition telling you to leave? Or is your emotions telling you, no, stay because I'm afraid to leave because I don't want change. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to start all over. You really have to get clear on your inner voice. And that is the only thing that is going to help you move forward. Now, granted, she said that every time he looks at his phone and all this kind of stuff, Something that I just recently learned, um, especially since I'm in a new relationship, is in those moments where you are feeling that way, have a conversation. If you are not comfortable with having a conversation with your man saying, hey, this is how I'm feeling, like I'm being vulnerable in that moment, like I'm not feeling my best. I need some reassurance right now. If you're unable to say that, then y'all need to be having another conversation and you need to be having a conversation with yourself. Why, Tyra, why can I be vulnerable with my man? I should be able to share anything with him. I should be able to share any of my feelings with him. What is stopping me from sharing my most vulnerable self with him? And maybe it's some work that you gotta do, you know? And that is one of the many things that I learned from my last relationship. I didn't feel confident sharing my vulnerability with him. But in this relationship, I am feeling that bit of discomfort and I am pushing through it because I want us to have the best chance. And even in that moment, I'm like, sir, I'm feeling very uncomfortable right now, but I want to have this conversation and I'm learning how to have these types of conversations. And this is how I'm feeling and i don't expect you to say anything in particular i just really want you to know how i'm feeling and that goes so much further than why you always in your phone oh who is that calling you now dang your phone blowing up try to stay away from stuff like that but this is how i feel now And I'm not giving you any advice or whatever, because you are gonna be with who you wanna be with. And that's on you and your guy. And I'm not saying anything about your relationship in particular. I'm just speaking on my perspective. I'm not giving no second chances. I'm done with that. I did it in my last relationship and it just continued. It became a, um, what am I trying to say? It became a pattern. So I had a conversation with my current boyfriend from the jump and I said, you got one chance. And I've said that before in the past, but this is the first time that I actually meant it and I was confident in it. And I am confident that if it ever comes to that point, Lord willing, it will not because I listen. Lord willing, it will not, but if it ever came to that point where the trust was broken, or he did happen to step out on our relationship, I am confident we're walking away. Because one thing that one understanding that I have with my guy is that my man is not cheating on me, because I am being, I'm showing up as my best self, one hundred and ten percent, a hundred and ten percent of the time, and I know if I'm showing up in that way. The only reason that this man is choosing to do other things is because he has things that he needs to work on himself, and those things I cannot help him with because they are quite literally bringing me down emotionally, which is not helping me become my best self. So I'm willing to step away because I have done the work and I have done I have literally sat and thought with myself, hey, why would I walk away? Why would it have to be like this? Because I'm trying to be the best version of myself. I'm I want someone who respects that for me. I want someone who respects me. I want someone who wants the best for me. And if that includes them not being in my life, then that's what it's gonna have to be. But at the end of the day, trust yourself, trust yourself, trust yourself. And y'all ask me some more questions because that that was great. That was great. That is all that I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to Childhood Trauma Series Week 3. Join us again next week for Week 4, and we only have a couple of weeks left. And make sure you subscribe, rate the podcast, leave us a review, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And also, if you are not already subscribed to the mailing list, please subscribe to that as well. And join the community. It's $4.99 a month. Join it. But thank you guys so much for listening. And you are listening to Affirmations for Black Girls. I'll see you next week. Hey y'all, Tyra here. Let me tell you about one of my favorite credit cards. And before you stop listening, because I said credit card, hear me out. I used to be terrified of credit cards because honestly... Y'all, I would act a fool with mine, and I would spend money on things that I didn't need and rack up thousands of dollars in debt, but only paid the minimum balance, which leads to a lot of interest. So when my score went down to 600, I said, Tyra, enough is enough. And I looked on Credit Karma and saw recommended cards for me based on my credit score, and the first one I saw was the Chase Freedom Card Unlimited. So I applied for it and I got accepted in literally two seconds. This card is awesome because it lets you earn $200 cash back after you spend $500 on purchases within the first three months. Y'all, that's less than $200 a month on the card. And before you say, Tyra, that's still a lot of money. Those purchases can be anything, bills or any monthly payments you know you already have to pay. So I personally put one month of rent on the card and immediately paid it off because I pay rent every month and I got the $200 cash back just from using my Chase card to pay my rent. And it also has a rewards portal where you can redeem points and cash back for gift cards, trips, and even pay off your credit card. So I recently used the rewards to pay off a meal that I had at Chili's that I put on the credit card. And I also went to Dallas a few months ago and even bought a rental car for my trip through the rewards portal using points that I accrued using the car y'all it's overall a great deal. And I think it's a great introductory card with no annual fees and 0% interest for the first 15 months. That means if you have a balance that rolls over to the next month, you will not have to pay any interest on that amount for the first 15 months. So it helped me build my credit back up and I think it may help you too. So for your cashback offer, use the link in the show notes to apply for the Chase Freedom Unlimited card today.